Okay, so can we separate the art from the artist? Okay. No, you cannot because uh, the art is an extension of the person creating it, and it is information which their brain has taken in mm. and regurgitated through their actions. Yeah, mm. they are as vital to the work as the work is to the viewer because it came. It it says something about it. Just it's connected. Mm. Um, you can't have art exist that just fucking comes out of thin air. So if you've been following me, or if you remember from the first episode, I've been shooting film photography. It's been part of my healing journey. So through nerding out and kind of doing a ton of research and watching videos every day, I got curious about shooting medium format. Doing research, I fell in love with the Fuji GW690. On Kijiji, I found a seller selling one for a price that I can afford out in Grimsby, Ontario. I asked Monica, she was down for a little road trip, and she was, she has a friend out in Hamilton, which is really close to Grimsby, who's an artist, a really dope artist by the name of Dope Chief. She wanted to stop by his studio to pick up the merch that she had bought, and the moment that I stepped into his studio, I was blown away by the artwork, and just like the colors and the themes and the style that he does, I loved everything that I was seeing, but what I really enjoyed was our conversation. When I started the podcast, it was under the idea of kind of having really candid conversations. And the conversations that we were having was just something that I felt like should be recorded. So on this episode, we kind of talk about the artist process, legacy, even like how we are both procrastinators. He feels like that's something he wants to change. For me, I feel like all of my habits are the reason why I am the artist today. So we kind of just talk about what it is to either accept it or elevate past it. Our relationship with the art that we create, I guess what other people's expectations of us as artists are. And also, uh, we kind of close things off with talking about whether we separate the art from the artist. So this is a really dope episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. I guess hit us up on the socials. I'm at Kedre Designs. He's at The Dope Chief. And Monica is Monica V. Cow. I guess there'll be links on everything so you guys can check it all out. Anyway, I don't know how to send these things off, but peace. Enjoy the episode. Uh, what I do, or have similar... This is going to pick up everything. So both recording? Yeah, I'm recording right now. Okay. Yeah, I'll get some. Yeah, I got the recording going. I'll, I'll probably do... It's, it doesn't really matter because I'll do a more formal introduction. But this is another episode of This Shit Should Be Recorded. I'm here in... Uh, Dope Chief, is it Dope Chief, right? Yeah. Dope Chief uh, Studio out here in Hamilton. Really dope space, incredible space. Because our work is everywhere. Appreciate it. Surrounds us. Uh, we had a really dope conversation that probably should have been recorded in the It was a warm up chat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, you see what I'm saying? Oh Monica, Monica's here as well. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, I'm the middle person between this. Yeah. You're too far. You're so far. Bring your uh, yeah, chair over here. Now I'm in the podcast. Yeah, so some of the conversations <laughs> from what I remember, because I do have a pothead memory, um, was oh. about the artist process. More importantly, about legacy. I think I wanted to talk about that as well, because a topic of death came up. Personally, in my life, I hate thinking about dying. I think I'm going to live forever. I believe. I don't even think. I just know I'm going to live forever. Uh, I live in the moment, so I don't think about the future often. It's more of a thing where, like, I'll, I'll deal with it when I get there, while your art is your legacy. So you think about the conversation that's had 
I guess, beyond what you're um, presenting. Right. I like the idea that, like, um, so you brought up the, our morals of what we see for ourselves is based on what we think of ourselves. Right. Uh, over what our actions are. Right. So, like, explain that a little bit, because I found that fascinating. You found that fascinating. Um, so, well, first of all, uh, going off, just off the whole idea of legacy, I think uh, because I think this is, this is so temporary, yeah. our whole existence is so temporary, even like 100 years is nothing compared to the, the length of Earth or how long we've been a species. Yeah. So for me, the idea of living forever, for me, it is not physically living forever, my consciousness, but the work that was produced by my consciousness. That is me living forever. Yeah. Um, the same way that like, you know, historical figures, you, you never, you'll never know them. I don't know anything about Einstein. <laughs> But I yeah. feel like I know Einstein based off his work or who he was as a person. At least what right? was important to him. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I, I, somehow I feel like I know him or we know these people we've never met. Yeah. Um, and I think like, yeah, so the idea of how we view ourselves is something that's interesting to me because we, if you ask anyone, they're most likely going to say, yeah, I'm a good person. But they're basing, usually we base those things more so on our thoughts of ourselves, how we perceive ourselves yeah. within our head mm -hmm. versus what we're putting out to the world. So I want to make sure that there is nothing, that there's no filter between what I'm creating, who I am versus what's in the world. Yeah. So that way there is only transparency. And part of that was social media, like the idea of putting up a front or putting up some sort of persona for people. I wanted to go the completely opposite way and just not care at all about what I'm putting out there yeah. so that I never have to worry about filtering myself. If people don't like it, they already know what I'm about. You know who I am yeah. based off of that. I, I think that also comes from our generation as well because of how we were brought up through a system that just kept passing us along. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. <laughs> exactly. Like we, I don't think this. we um, look for the same affirmations as the social media generation. Right. Now that I think about that, why it's so much easier for us to just be like, fuck what fuck you it. think about yeah. us. Yeah. Like, here's what we think about ourselves. Yeah. Because we had to fight so long to actually discover what our identities were. Because if we had to base it off of our educational past, then we're failures. Yeah, I think, you know, the more I look at my past, the more I realize it was a hype. It was a hyper. It was hyper basically what is happening in my life as a whole now. Mm -hmm. So being part of a system, school system, mm -hmm. being not able to keep up with everyone. So being pulled back. And then when I would have, you know, when I wanted to, to learn, I'd be pulled out of classes. So never fitting in that system, but still being pushed along it Yeah, from, yeah. you know, grade kindergarten to grade eight and then high school. Um, so for me, like that was always like a micro version of what's happening in life. I don't okay. like stability now. Like I, I don't like the idea of having a nine to five and, yeah. and having a savings account that like I know I always have money. <laughs> right? Yes, shivers. <laughs> um, like it's not that I don't like those I, those things. Obviously, I want those things, but I value more what I know and what I've known since back way then mm. is creating. That reminds that's me of always a meme stuck I with saw. Me. That's always been the thing I did. Meme? Yeah. What was it? I don't know what they call it, but you know how people post quotes? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, 20, yeah. 20, yeah, yeah. 2020 didn't give me what I wanted. It taught me to appreciate what I have. Mm. Yeah. And that's pretty much like your approach to life is instead of um, aspiring for what you're told to aspire for, yeah. you decided to aspire for specifically what you wanted. 
Another thing is that I wanted to talk about was even like the your artist process. So you and I work very similar. Um, I'm a procrastinator. I push all my projects pretty much to the day that it's due. Yeah. Uh, more often than not, which is more often <laughs> than not, than not, <laughs> is it goes past due. Yeah. So I have uh, yeah, Monica's definitely seen it. She's seen like the text. Like somebody threatened to call the cops on me once. Call the cops. Well, because I took I took uh, the deposit and they felt like I was never gonna. Oh, do it. Yeah, How, what was know? the timeline on that? I wasn't given one. Oh, so yeah. then. No, it was it, it was still like uh, probably a month. That's so, that's within well, all my timelines are within a month. <laughs> yeah, well, the the thing is, I think people have a high expectation for me because I do everything quick. Right. So I get projects done that take other artists a month done in a couple of days. But do you tell your client that? No, they see it. They follow me. Oh. Uh, a lot of my clients come from people that like either see my work or yeah. have been referred to. Yeah. I don't I don't advertise that I do anything. Right. I don't I've never had a Kijiji ad, I've yeah. never had a website for anything to this day. And I've been a practicing artist for fifteen years. That's great. And I've never advertised myself. That's amazing. Uh, luckily, I have great relations. Because the thing is, once they get the work, yeah. it's as though nothing bad ever happened. Yeah. They're so grateful. Yeah. They're like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. Thank you so much. They send me a million pictures for over years of yeah. them in front of the artwork. So the relationship with the work is great. It's just that like uh, my procrastination meets people's patience at, uh, at an uneven scale. Mm -hmm. While my procrastination is much higher priority for me yeah. than people's patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I could give a fuck about how you feel. So you, if so I don't want to create right now, I'm not going to create. So you don't think it's a problem for you? No, it's my process. I have to accept it. Okay. I have to, I have to. Okay. I, I, that, it, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm, like I'm 32. Yeah. So I'm at a space where I'm young but I also know that I've been doing something for so many years. Right. Like I'm young, but I still can say that I've done 20 years in graffiti. Yeah. You know, because you start that shit as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, you start young. So yeah, like because I started as a teenager and I'm an adult now, and I have so many years of how I practice mm -hmm. and how I learn that there's certain things about myself that uh, instead of fighting how I see and and um, believe something should be done. I've just learned to accept it. Right. I'm a procrastinator. Mm -hmm. And I'm expensive. So those are two things I tell my clients. Mm -hmm. I'm going to procrastinate more uh, more likely. So give me a timeline and just bother me because yeah. I will forget. And then also just know you're going to pay. Yeah. Because like uh, it, everything costs. I have a living to live just like you do. Mm -hmm. And I'm providing a service, that specialty that you can't go to anybody else for. Uh, and I'd rather do very minimal projects that cost more than to work on everything that comes through the door. Because I am a procrastinator, having multiple projects is just not going to work. Right. It's not feasible. I, uh, I'm a bit envious of, your, of, your, of the way you have your outlook on, on as you are as an artist. Yeah, well, I, that's why I bring it up because I think the conversation we had earlier about how you see your procrastinating ways or the fact that you can't still your mind mm. as an issue... And I see it as it's been successful for you. Right. No, well, I was even, it's funny because uh, you said that earlier. And as I was telling you right now about, you know, being a kid in school and, and not being able to keep up, uh, I thought even like looking back, I remember my thought process very clearly being how like upset I was that I was never, never able to learn at the pace everyone else was and how, how hurt I was and how much it affected me as a kid. And, and I'm sure it shaped my character yeah. to an extent, right? So I was thinking about that, but then I'm thinking, you know, that same process, that same kid is the thing that got me here. Mm 
Yeah. Um, but then the thing that, so hearing you accept your procrastination as part of your process is beautiful because it means that you know, um, you know you, you yeah. know you to the extent of what you are capable and and where you work best. Um, for me, what I'm struggling with on a personal level is it being the idea of I know what I could be, and I'm not there yet. I'm not mm. happy with where also, I know I could. It's be. more tied into potential. Yes, and okay. and that's the thing. Like I have a higher standard for myself, and yeah. I feel like, well, what's really holding me back? What's really the thing that doesn't allow me to? get the most out of what I want. Like I say to myself, I love what I do. I love what I create. I love being an artist. Why do I dread working? <laughs> I had a conversation yeah. with Monica about this. I was about to say. What is the ex- ex- external dread that I have starting projects and completing them? If I love what I do so much that I am willing to sacrifice stability, relationships, uh, a, a stable income, knowing what's up for me next, I'm willing to sacrifice all that, the thing people work years for, the thing that people work their whole lives to achieve. Mm-hmm. Why do I not want to come to work every day? Or what is it that's that I'm struggling with when it comes to these projects? Which, I mean, now I'm at the point where I'm creating things that I want to create. Okay. Clients aren't asking me for fan art. And you still that, struggle. And I still struggle. So mm-hmm. I want to know me more. I want to get past that. I feel, and this kind of goes back into... Uh, our anime, a uh, bit of our anime topic, <laughs> is like I feel like I have a potential of a Super Saiyan and I'm mm. not tapping into that. Mm. And people see what I create and they're like, that's great. But like, you also got to understand that I'm doing this all the time. Like mm. other people who are seeing this usually have other jobs or they have families or they're, they have things and then they're comparing their social life to what they see from me. And they're like, how can this person have a social life and he has all this happening? I don't have all this. Ha- like, this is all I do. Yeah. You know, I'm, I go home and I sleep and I come here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, for in, me, in the age of the pandemic, the fact that you do have this actually puts you ahead. Yeah. Because yeah, of like, the fact that people just have their homes. Yeah. That's it. They yeah. don't have work. They don't have a social. Yeah, I was. I cut this space uh, March 1st. Oh, like wow. 15 days before the okay, fucking everything closed down. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Um, but, like, yeah, so that so i i hearing your the acceptance you have of yourself yeah. versus your own process and how you, you know, put that out there. Uh, very envious of you because I think I, I love that I think that's great no, I think I, that. I think that like it speaks it doesn't speak to oh man procrastination is a bad thing like yeah. no it speaks to um, how society views productivity yeah. and needs to be at its utmost extreme all the time mm. and it, it doesn't have to be like you know great artists will create great art at their time at their pace yeah. right like they're not on a schedule um, so there's similarities there between us, but there's a contrast that I can identify as the process and, you know, accepting that, that because I'm also a huge procrastinator, but, <laughs> but I also know that like, man, if I can do a project in two, three days, imagine yeah. if I could do this in two, three days after I, the client asked for it, Yeah. then I have a whole fucking two months to not worry about it. Yeah. You know, I, he doesn't have, the client doesn't have to get it in two, three days. I'll just yeah. tell him it's going to take a month and sit on it, mm. but it's causing me more pain to not do it because I'm thinking about it rather than it's just there rather than let it be there finished for two months so the client thinks it takes them takes me two months um that's just for the illusion of of value I guess um but also because I don't want them to think it's cheap work or that like Mm -hmm. I didn't put any process to it even though it takes takes us no time to do because we've been doing it for so long yeah like they don't understand that right being a practitioner so one of the things we talked about earlier 
because I mentioned getting into film photography strictly for myself. Yeah. Doing it as something that I want to explore and then struggling with how I want to present it publicly. Yeah. And a lot of avenues we do have as artists, like Monica has uh, her merch, she has prints, and she also has originals to sell. You have the same as well. Yeah. And I have the same as well um, without paintings or prints. I only have merch. <laughs> but um, when it comes to how I wanted to present the film photography, I still hold it very sacred. Yeah. And when I said that I was struggling to figure it out, you simply asked me, well, why do you feel like you need to put it out there? Yeah. And I think I just started talking, but when I sit with that question, like we uh, we create art and then we have business and we think that the two need to be together constantly and seeing like how you navigate um, like your space and your practices shows me that like sometimes you, it's more important for you to create for the sake of creating than the sake of putting out volume. Um, I think the biggest question uh, for like once you reach kind of like a wall or a plateau is how do I escape this and when we do look back at our lives we look at the fact that like yo we made it out through our craft we made it through the tough times through creating so wondering why I procrastinate or trying to connect it to some kind of issue isn't fair to the craft I create for the sake of just doing art but I'm not necessarily creating it because um, it presents the best version of me. I'm a procrastinator. Mm. I'm sarcastic. I'm an asshole. I'm whatever. Uh, but I also do art. So the two doesn't necessarily need to have like exit points. Mm -hmm. Stop being a procrastinator so you can be a better artist. Mm -hmm. I, the art is by itself. It's going to get done regardless. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a procrastinator. That's going to get done regardless. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like... The results, the practice, and all that stuff, we keep trying to figure out ways to blend all of that uh, at once. And then trying to figure out how to make a sustainable living um, seems to be the biggest like um, characteristics of being an artist. It's like, how do you make, the, like, when you're, at least when you're talking to somebody else. Us as practitioners, we understand that, like, uh, everything kind of has their own, like, place. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're speaking to somebody, you said that uh, being an artist is great because it's the lowest expectations people have of you, right? So yeah. you, as opposed to telling them that you're a lawyer, you're right? and then people immediately think of your bank account. Yeah, well, yeah, if yeah. you tell them you're an artist, like you can get away with the idea that you're struggling or yeah. doing whatever. Yeah. Like, so I think like, um, why, why do you think people really equate being an artist with such a freeing experience yeah. to something so like bonding as like um, our income yeah, so, for a living? I mean, you look at artists through history and artists have always been eclectic and unstable right like the romantic idea of being a uh dysfunctional successful artist is something that people have always tried to achieve mm. but i think that is a hyper look at what some people were going through in the right situation that made them a successful artist so they had the right people around them they were in the right time they were in the right city which led their art to grow it isn't just one person never rarely is it just one person it's the people around them who believe, yeah, in, what I believe they, that. in what they have i mean you look at pollock's work i hate pollock's <laughs> i think it's garbage i, I hate it yeah, um, but i know it's funny i think people and especially I now i don't yeah I, <laughs> I know you but but my point is that like he um, is an incredibly successful artist. He was a staple, if you look at the way art has progressed, especially in the United States during his time, yeah. um, what he contributed to the art world and what he, you know, he meant. But also, you look at his lifestyle, he was an alcoholic. He 
he died in a car accident mm. with his mistress. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, like he had a really fucked up life, <laughs> but he was, his wife was also, a, a, I think she was like a curator, she was a, an art dealer, but like she believed so much in him, she knew what he was what he was as a person mm. and she looked past that to make his art grow oh wow. so she's the one who like pushed his art to like the right people and he would always fuck up these relationships mm -hmm. but again like people strive for these ideas of an unstable artist and i think it isn't that you know it's not i think they have it backwards it's it's people who are trying to find themselves in a world that doesn't necessarily make sense to them and when you look at history and what people think of what artists were it's like they think of those hyper people who are dysfunctional and that's what they equated to mm. which is why I like saying I am just an artist mm. because I want to redefine how they see me by giving them zero expectation by allowing allowing them to play into their own head yeah. to thinking of what an artist is and I get so many messages every time I post that <laughs> being like you're not just an artist you do so many things I'm yeah. like you are projecting your view of what you think I am yeah. versus Absolutely. what I'm telling you. I have stated this. Yeah. No, no one came into my life and said, he is just an artist. I'm the one stating it. Mm. Yeah. And you are going against what I'm telling you I am. Yeah, so, true. and I don't hold any anger or any resentment towards people like that. It just, it reminds me again how people's perspectives, they hold already a box within their head. Mm -hmm. And the more you, I play into that, the more it'll allow them to expand that box when they see that I'm not fitting within it or I'm not doing just the things they thought I'd be doing. Um, and I love being just an artist. It's, I love it's, that. it's fascinating too. I think the I idea else. that you nothing. are proud of just being an artist and yeah, not wanting to be anything. An artist to me means a creator. I'm not, I'm not, just a, I'm not saying I'm just a painter because yeah. I don't just paint. Yeah. I, I'm just a creator. So I have no other value, the way I see myself, no other value than to regurgitate my experiences into this world because that's what I want to do. Yeah. Right? That's what I find the most joy in. So why would I not want to spend the most time doing what I love if, like, we're all going to fucking exit the same door anyways, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, why spend time doing anything else? And yeah. I don't care about other people's perspective because, again, man, they weren't there when I felt like shit as a kid. Yeah. Um... But the art was. Yeah. So that's what I gravitated to. So, uh, so uh, how does it feel kind of parting with the work that you create? Do you create bonds with the actual art? Yeah. So I oh, I do have some. So some of those pieces up there are hanging are pieces that I don't like would ever let go for, like little <laughs> pieces over there. Um, but like, so the idea of letting go of art is something that I've always highly encouraged people to do. Like, if mm. you have a piece that you love, let it go. Let it fucking go because um, you are not bound to your work you it was created by you you can create on a paper towel on a piece of napkin you're gonna have another idea it, ideas are infinite mm -hmm. right you are not your last you are your last work until you create the next thing um that was a staple in time and if it's something that has meaning to you emotionally sure like you know if you're just an artist that you just want to create then sure just create for yourself yeah but that that question leans more towards i think if you're talking business or you're talking trying to make some sort of living where find ways to learn to let go of your shit. Like it's it's a part of you, but someone else also appreciated it enough to be like, I'm gonna give you the thing that, you know, I worked really hard for yeah. money, like that I put my time into mm -hmm. and you're asking for a lot of it and I'm willing to give you that because yeah. I value what you're making. Yeah. Like I I like that. I like being able to it hurts sometimes. And there's uh, one piece actually I'm trying to get back from a from a collector <laughs> because it uh, looking back at it it has so much meaning to me that I'm like Oh, this is a piece I just want for myself. Do you, do you have pictures of it? 
Uh, I do, and I'll pull them up after, but uh, it's a piece that, like, so I can look back at my work, and there mm. are specific pieces that changed the the path of my career, and yeah. I can see it, and I felt it, yeah. and that's one of those pieces that, like, it was the first piece that talks about my childhood, talks about growing up downtown, talks about the abuse that uh, is very rampant, uh, like sexual assault on like a main street here in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, talks about just like growing up in the 90s downtown and it has all these fucking meanings in it and it was the first time I was painting a specific way and I'm tied to it, but I only want it back for selfish reasons. Yeah. But I was willing uh, to sell it. Take. Yeah, and I was willing to sell it the first time because yeah. at the time, like I'm selling to make money because I'm trying to do more of this. Yeah, right? yeah. And had I not done it at the time, I wouldn't be here because yeah. it was a stepping stone. No, I, I, it's, it was necessary. I think connecting with your art is beautiful. Yeah. It's our entry point to the art world. Um, selling things is difficult, especially for artists. Yeah. I think buyers and collectors kind of take that for granted. Or even just, just people in general um, take what artists sacrifice for granted uh, because we put so much of ourselves into yeah. the work that we create that it looks, while well, you're seeing as the visual component, Earlier, I was talking to you about how I'm more fascinated in the um, pro process, process yeah. of people creating art than the actual finished pro uh, product. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated because I'm also interested in the person. Like when it comes to my craft, uh, doing graffiti, everything is temporary. Yeah. So if it's not the city buffing your work, it's other writers. Yeah. It's not writers, it's property owners and managers, whatever the case is, you're constantly putting up something that's going to be gone. So it took me a while to connect with my own artwork because it was also temporary. I put it up uh, and all I needed, that's why I asked you if you had a picture of it. Yeah. All I needed was the photo of it. And then I have like a memory. I, I applied for a grant and I needed examples of my work and I couldn't find shit. Ugh. I couldn't find nothing other than graffiti. Damn. I only keep like a log of all the graffiti I've done because I know that's temporary. Like if I paint a freight train, sometimes I don't even get a picture of it and I gotta wait years until somebody who benches freight takes a picture of it and posts it online. Damn. And then I'm like, oh sick, yeah, that was that picture. That, that's, yeah, like I finally have a like, picture of the piece I did in 2016. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that I've forgotten where I'm like, whoa, like what the fuck I did that, you know? Um, so uh, connecting with a piece that I want to hold forever is kind of the last thing that I connect with. Yeah. Um, but wanting to put something out for sale is difficult. Yeah. So I've created paintings where I constantly get asked, like, how much do you want for it? Mm -hmm. And I just ignore them. Like, I, I probably have in my request section uh, just ignored messages of people that want to buy just one specific painting I did of a woman blowing bubblegum. And everybody that sees it wants to buy it. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I just can't sell it. Gotcha. I just see, I, I, it's, at one point, it was in my sister's room hanging on the wall. Now it's in the basement collecting dust. So it's not even in somewhere that where it's valued and looked at. Mm -hmm. It's literally collecting dust. So and I still can't be like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, Damn, eh? Yeah. Hmm. Take, take. And, it, and it's funny, too, because sometimes that makes it a little more valuable. Where people will be like, yo, like name your price. I just yeah. want the painting. Seems yeah. like everybody else can't get it. And um, because I never really looked at my paintings as something to sell like that, I, I don't give a fuck. I really don't care. Like, I'll make a living painting murals. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not a source of income. No, You're it's not. not tied it's to like, whether... Yeah, it, it is what it is. Like, I barely work on... successful. In my room, I have, like, blank canvases, like a pile of blank canvases. In my basement, I have these giant canvases piled up, blank. 
in my warehouse I have like un, uh, unstretched about 60 foot of blank canvas that I've never painted. Nice. It's just I'm surrounded by canvases that I could potentially do an art show with. Yeah. I have no interest in painting. It's just not your thing, eh? Nah, you know? I, I, it's just difficult to think of a boundaries of something that's like yeah. small. Because I paint large scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like the idea of stretching my body. My my the my natural body rhythms go into my art. Once practice. you once you do big work, it's so hard to change that format. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to get like go back into something small and be like, oh. The li- the limitations God. that you have as an artist is mostly placed on yourself. Yeah. Um, I place those ones on myself. It's also an interesting. So one of the things that I connected with you with was how you were speaking about dreading working on one of your canvases. Right. On the drive to Hamilton with Monica, I was talking about how at one point in my life, I hated doing murals. Mm-hmm. I hated going to work. Just like if you had a nine to five and you feel sick to your stomach about going, the moment you call in sick, you feel much better. Yeah. I was doing that with art. Yeah. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't go to a, a job site. And then for two years, I had a square ass job just working somewhere else. What was it that it. got you to that point with your art? It became too consistent. It was like the only time people wanted to talk to me was about business. My all my text messages were bubs. Mm-hmm. My emails were to bubs, and I'm Kedre. Mm-hmm. I'm not bubs. So I felt like I was never spoke to. And then um, because I am a procrastinator, murals you can't do that. You have a date that you start and then you finish. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not getting your money. Yeah. Or very like, structured. Yeah, and not not only that, I when I so I procrastinate not because I don't have the skill. I procrastinate because I have a uh, I guess it's part of the flow. And if I'm not inspired to create, then it, uh, I'm not in flow. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I am working, it's consistent. So I'll get things done that will take other artists months to do in just a couple of days mm-hmm. because I'll just consistently work on it. It'll be nighttime, shine lights from my truck if I have to. And I'll just keep painting until I feel like going to sleep. Right. I'll lay on the ground for a couple of uh, minutes or whatever, get my back realigned, and then go right back into painting. Mm-hmm. And it's because like there's something I come from a background of working at factories and warehouses. So if you ever worked in a factory, you just know you're given a task and you do that shit for eight hours. I'll never work in a factory again. <laughs> I did it for like I think I did it for like three days. Never. Really? Again. Oh, that was a life lesson that I I never wanted to learn. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that it's, was. It's definitely yeah. We terrible. I used to have a job that people quit during orientation. <laughs> It was so fucked. We used to have bets on who would leave. Oh we would look at the people coming in and just be like, that motherfucker's not going to make it. Yeah. Wow. He's definitely leaving. He's leaving. Yeah. And then, uh, and the first break, nobody came back to their station. Yeah. They all left before the first break was over. Yeah, I don't know how people do that, man. That and shit, I had that job for legal. years, and I was a teenager. Yeah. So that was my entry level into the workforce, was to be in a factory. Yeah. So I've gotten to travel. I've won awards. Um, I've got to paint uh, with like huge corporations on incredible projects. I couldn't even get a job in the mall. Damn. Mm. I'm not even oh, qualified to get a fucking job in the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Like res- we w- went through his resume recently, like, just to um, uh, put, prepare for the grant. Yeah. And he has all of these awards and all of these um, experiences yeah. applying for like a job like for example in the mall but I don't know what it was for yeah oh no that, for that specific resume I was applying for uh, Curry's Warehouse okay yeah and I actually I ended up getting the job but he didn't care about when I went in the interview it didn't even bring up anything he's just like when can you start can you lift up over 50 pounds oh, yeah cool. alright cool you can come yeah. it's like, and it, especially when I was there it was a lot of Filipinos mm-hmm. so the people new to Canada 
and then getting their cousins to come to Canada and then getting them hired. So it would be bare Filipino people. It's all Filipino people. It's like, and they were lit, you know, like they're young, like fun. Yeah, like, they have a good time. Parents, have like, a good time. Yeah, Filipino people are lit, and especially when they're they're new here, everything is so cool to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, an adventure, black culture, bro. especially hip hop culture, is is huge. Yeah. Love basketball, so all they would talk about is like Raptors. It was cool. Like I, I, I enjoyed being around people more than being at the job. But me working regular nine to fives, the reason why I had a hard time with it is because I had a background of also working for myself right. and being an entrepreneur. So I can't, I can be in a space where I'm at service of people. Yeah. I understand that working for myself means that I'm not the boss. I have many bosses. Yeah. Every one of my clients are technically my boss. Mm -hmm. The difference is they also have to respect me as an owner. Right. Right, so they can uh, talk to me a certain way. It's a proper relationship. Absolutely, yeah. I there, there's that. no, there's no one above the other. You, I mean, I th even say, I think even saying boss is a bit, uh, like it's a bit reaching because they are they are they're paying you right, yeah. but you are giving them something of greater value in my opinion. Yeah, and that, that's like a, it's always been an imbalance, and I think that there should be more respect in that relationship. So, what's what's your relationships with like with your client? Like, how do you is it something you maintain? Do you keep up with them, or do they keep up with you? Uh, I so yeah, it's more of a of a they keep up with me because I'm very bad at getting back to people. Uh, <laughs> if I don't like, I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't put that much value in it. Um, I'm happy to work with my clients and and. I think the the thing I do now though is I have clients that I have to make sure they understand who I am, the work I create. Mm -hmm. um, if you come and ask me for something that's out of my comfort level or something that I don't want to do, I'll straight up tell you I'm not interested in this project mm -hmm. uh, for this and this reason. Um, even if I'm in a place where I'm like, oh, it's financially a really good job, it's not for me. Like it's just not for me. And that's where it got me to this project because I had worked on the client with a client on like a T-shirt collab, and um, they were they liked they liked the way it went and it wasn't the, a big the wood thing. installation yeah so they that was a restaurant owner uh, and we did a collab earlier last year um, and it was good they they loved they loved the uh, the design whatever and now yeah. they're opening a new restaurant they hit me up about it um, and when they hit me up about it I the way I go about it is I look at the project and I say this is what you can get this is what I recommend you. Yeah. Um, the reason I give you two options is because if it's an expensive project, I yeah. want you to know that I'm interested in the project and I have two visions for it. It's just a matter of financially, where are you at? Yeah. Um, because I don't want to say to a client that I like, you, I don't want to do this project because it's going to be too expensive or like, you know, you can't afford it for what I want to do, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I give them two options and I always pitch for the better option, the option that I believe in. Yeah. And if they trust me enough, They'll go with the with the with the project, and I haven't had any any backlash yet. And yeah. if I do, I don't think that's a client I'm going to work with. I I think like that's also a level of maturity as well. The reason why I think I reached a place where I hated my job was mostly because I wasn't like mature enough to see my product the way that you just described how you see your product. Mm. Right, where like, all right, you're gonna work with a client, and you will give them options. Like, look, you can either get this product, which is like very entry level, right. you're going to love it regardless, or if you want to invest in it, I'm going to invest in it exactly. and give you the best product exactly. ever. I think, but again, that comes from like, what I do, I know I have a certain skill set and I'm not uh, defined to one idea. And that's yeah. the 
beauty of being an artist is that I can pivot. I've been pivoting my whole life. I can pivot from stuff that's fan art. I can pivot to, oh, you like something like that. I can take the idea of that and fuck with it. So that's my strength. I never want to get so rigid to be like, this is my vision. You're either going to take it or leave it because I know that I'm not just linear. I can, mm. we can go back and forth. And that's, again, that goes into this hustle mentality of, of before when I was more willing to take on any job, I had to be open to things that I wasn't comfortable with because one, it was challenging me and two, I needed the bread, right? Like at yeah. those times in my that's life, bad. like you have to be willing to hear someone out. And even if they're not a great client, like you have to go through that to understand to get to a point where now it's like clients are coming to me knowing what I create and they're not asking me for other stuff. They're asking me for what I'm making. right? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't start like that. It starts off in a place where you have to be willing to take on more of a challenge. And I think that's what really builds you uh, as someone who is thinking about doing this as like a hustle or doing this as a, as more of a, of a career thing, because you have to be open to like, you know, pivoting sometimes, the idea isn't right for that space or sometimes the budget isn't there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It means what can you do, right? Yeah. Um, but like now if someone hits me up and they're like, I'm looking for a painting, I'll ask them straight up, like, what's your budget? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like the most great, offensive. That's a great practice. That's the no. most offensive thing you can ask someone apparently because everyone hates to answer that. Well, I just want to see what you got. I'm like, no, 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 no. What are you willing to spend? And then we'll have a conversation. If you don't know, then I'm not, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, but that's a respect to me. Like if, you're going to buy a car and you're looking at spending 5000 for a car. When you go to the dealership, you're not going to ask the dealership to show you Ferraris. Like, yeah. you're not even interested in something that, right? Yeah. So, it's the same thing when no, people are buying art. You you're interested, you can't afford it. Yeah. But, like, you're not going to waste your time and, and going so through the being, paperwork. Being and, an artist means that you have to be flexible then. Oh, because you're going to still take the job, but you're not going to give them Bentley work. Exactly. Yeah, you have to scale. Toyota. You have to scale, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but I, it's gonna run. That motherfucker will take. It. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. Like, no matter, and that's all right. So that's an important point. No matter what, you're gonna put quality in the work that you create. Okay. So, so let it's me, a little bit unfair to even say like, oh, you can either get a Ferrari or a Toyota quality right. work. I was more because it's still gonna be fire. Yeah, you're right. I was more equating it to. Someone looking within their budget. Someone yeah. looking at what they're willing to spend. Yeah. But like, the simplest way I can break this down is art is contrast between white and black, light and darkness. Mm. So you can tell a story. Look at that piece right there. That's black and white. Yeah. That's just black and white. Yeah. It's a piece of art though. Yeah. And it suited the project at that time and it still tells a narrative yeah. um, the same way a, a colorful piece would. Yeah. So it's a matter of like, you can literally, you can create art with anything. All mm. you need is a contrast. Uh, a line in the sand is a contrast. A water versus wet versus dry is contrast. You can make definitive lines and create a narrative visually with anything. So I can break down an idea to its fucking core, to absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, did you ever see Art Attack? Yes. Yeah. I Do you remember at the end when he would <laughs> make giant things? Yeah, with, with like objects? objects and shit that, that around. That unlocked something in me it's as so a lit. kid. And I always remember that because I'm like, you can make art out of anything, mm. right? Anything can be art. It's yeah. it's a matter of how you're using these things. So when a client approaches me and they don't have that big of a budget, I don't think, oh, how shit am I going to make this? I think, how simple or complex can this project be? Oh, wow. Because wow, I can always brilliant. make it, I can always make it super, I can always give you a black and white piece that to me, it uses one tool, one canvas, simple, I'm going to give you firework because it's the concept you're after. Mm. Versus, oh, I can't, I'm not going to invest my time in that because it's not worth the money or it's not worth it. This person's excited to get something from me. 
I want to meet them. And again, that goes back to the idea of what I used to do for my grind, which was I'll do anything with my art yeah. because you're interested, right? Yeah. I'm not there anymore, but I also recognize the value in hearing what where people are at and being like, what can I offer you versus what, you know, where you're at with your budget or, or what you got. Right? So a, a big part of um, my practice came down to two things, style versus technique. Mm. Um, meeting Monica, seeing how she processes work and creates, her process is uh, includes feeling. When we had that conversation, like something like lit up in my brain that like connected like feeling. How I connect to feeling is if I'm like frustrated, then my peaks look frustrated. I get frustrated with what I'm doing. If I'm happy, then I'm in flow. It, like my feeling has to be a big part of the practice. Mm -hmm. um, looking at your work, uh, there's like a nostalgic feel because of the characters, but then there's sexual undertones. So I brought that up. I was like, "Yo, this kind of looks like a, a pussy," you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely the, is. Yeah, I got the finger in it. It's a, like, it's an eye, so it's like uh, uh, I like the visual uh, being turned on by visual. Ah, oh, yeah, that's fly. Yeah. And then um, I think you, when we talked about it, you brought up how somebody was like, yo, what's with all the asses? <laughs> like, yo, yeah. there's asses in so much of the work, and you were kind of stumped. I was stumped, bro. Yeah. I've never I've had someone blatantly ask me that. Well, it's, it's, it's an odd question because, like, yo, we all love ass. It is, right? How do you explain it more than that? I think for me, because, like, it's, to me, it, was, it felt like such a shallow answer when, like, again, like, yeah. Right there, that, that character represents death. And that character is in all my work. So, like, there's certain things that, like, even it being nostalgic, it's all done intentional. Yeah. I want you to connect with the work before you even know what it is. And that's the idea of going for nostalgia is that it instantly creates a connection without you knowing anything about it. You feel mm. at home because cartoons are very non-confrontational. They're, they're something that we grew up with. We knew has a safe place as kids, right? Mm. So it allows me to open that door and then provide more darker undertones um, that relate to where we are as adults, as people. Yeah, I mean, it, I can also see how it can meet resistance. Mm. Because oh, it, yeah. You're, take, Fuck yeah. you're taking something that is playful. Yeah. Um, and, like, there's a lot of beautiful colors. And I feel mm. like the colors are therapeutic. But then it's something like you got a uh, fat ass right yeah. there. You but just then I mean, take two hands and go bop, bop. Yeah. You know what I'm but I think isn't that how, like? But I love that. I love that. That's the reaction though. No, I love that. I think that's great. Because it's, nah, it's, it's such me. a it's no. Just, it's I'm, I'm, like because the thing is, I like, say it's great because yeah. I think the same thing, bro. Okay, you look at ass that fat. You're yeah. not you're like yeah, it's yeah. a physical <laughs> thing. Yeah, trust me. It's not. But that's the purpose it serves. And that's the thing, like, mm. like I think if anyone has issues with sexuality, that's always a, self, a reflection on your own self. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sexuality is such a huge part of us as people yeah. that, like, if anyone doesn't understand it, then it, the art already is doing much more than I needed to. And I think if it, if it doesn't kind of, like, provoke or kind of, like, invoke emotion that Something. is, like, mm. even um, bad or negative... Yeah then like you also didn't serve your art fully. Exactly, yeah. Like it's almost like, fuck, I just did some shit that you're just gonna look at and scroll past. Be like, it's yeah. pretty. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, if you do something where it's just like, like, oh my God, like, why <laughs> like why is that there? Or why is it like this? And I, I just need to ask the artist yeah. a million questions. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, you didn't really create a connection. Yeah. Uh, whether you wanna answer those questions is completely up to you. Me personally, if you have questions that it's gonna be one after another. I will call you a police officer. 
<laughs> and I will feel like you're interrogating me because it's one fucking question after another. Yeah. But at the same time, I can appreciate where you're coming from because I do understand. Um, so the reason why I bring it up is because the theme of my work lately has been around trauma. Trauma, right. And um, what healing practices I use or whatever exists in the world. And I like sharing the process. I like learning about how people heal um, when it comes to just conversation. But in the artwork itself, I've been trying to explore healing because even as a practitioner, I do graffiti. Mm. So a lot of the times it's just me painting my name. There's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't connect to anybody. I don't do it for sale. Uh, I do it illegally. I don't give a fuck. Like, it's not really... It's hard for me to look at what my favorite art practice is and share it with people who aren't enthusiasts already mm-hmm. or already practitioners. Because like, it is something that like it kind of takes your life to do. And it includes a lot of people, a lot of different kind of people that um, on the regular, most people wouldn't even want in their house. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. you want to collect their, their work or mm-hmm. collect their pieces, but you would never have the artist over. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So the fact that I choose, like, my medium to talk about something like trauma and healing is absurd. It's not really done or practiced by a lot of artists, mm. even outside of graffiti or my field, right? So I think most people want to evoke emotions out of shock using something like sexuality, for example, yeah. because they know that, like, that's going to get a reaction. Right, right. While um, you kind of almost have a little bit of therapy in it. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you tap into someone's um, almost like child mind. Right. And you go like, hey, like these make you feel good. It just enjoy for that. You know, mm. enjoy it and just enjoy the shit. Like you don't necessarily need to know the meaning of everything. It's yeah. fly. It's cool. It's something you know you want in your living room. But it's like edgy. It's not something you should have in your living room. <laughs> you feel me? Uh, even... Um, as artists, really and truly, most artists want that, but don't necessarily achieve it because they want to do what sells. Yeah. So, like, how did you get comfortable with the idea? Like, all right, I'm gonna not only stop doing the fan art. Yeah. Stop doing the things that's popular and popular. Yeah. And then just be like, I'm gonna draw a pussy, yeah. some fat asses, and fucking <laughs> so, death in everyone. I gotta, of I gotta show you some of my old fan art because it did. So the fan art I was doing, I was taking characters and I was warping them, right? So I was doing yeah. things to them. Um, there was still like this formula developed when I was doing fan art. So okay. a lot of these things came from that. Yeah. Um, and it was just me getting into my into a style that I was just having fun with. Yeah. Like it was I wasn't putting any limitations. I was just doing these characters in a way I liked I liked doing it. Um, but for me the way I moved from that to what I'm doing now was purely I would say a business decision the same way I even started doing fan art was a business decision. <laughs> Explain. So that's... I've been doing art my whole life, right? Okay. I've been doing projects I always was doing art, always have been. Um, but then I decided that I'm going to start selling prints, and that's when I decided to just do nostalgic fan art shit. Okay. Uh, so I was doing, like, comic cons. I was doing, like, yeah. events we have here, just selling prints. Um, and people started asking me for that stuff on apparel. And a lot of people started asking me that stuff on apparel. In fact, it got to the point where people would come to my booth and they'd see all the prints I'd have and they'd be like, or are these samples for shirts that we can get? And it got so annoying. And my ex my ex and I used to always joke at booths and we'd be like, just like to each other, be like, oh, do you sell shirts? Yeah. Like, yeah oh, do you yeah, have yeah, shirts? Yeah. Hey, by the way, do you have shirts? Because uh, it became like such a thing, right? Yeah. Um, and then that really got me thinking about the idea of selling 
how far is this going to go? And I realized that for me, I could already see the ceiling and I could already see where I had to stop. And if I wanted to start making apparel, I could only do it online and through my website, which you already know how I feel about sending out merch and shit. Um, but I could only do it through that because if I wanted to do it any legit way, like through a re real retailer, um, no retailer is going to take me on because this could lead to a lawsuit. Uh, this could lead to infringement yeah, of yeah. copyrights. Yeah. And no many, no retail space wants to even have the potential of being sued. Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't come down to them, they're selling it, right? Yeah. So I can't go to a retail and be like, hey, I have some shirts, can I sell my shit, whatever. Um, and I started feeling like it doesn't create an identity. It creates nothing for the artist. I didn't want to be known as the fan art artist, like so many artists are, and no shade to any artist who does it. There's artists who do great things with mm. it, um, and they make incredible careers, and they do it, power to them, but that's not me, and I didn't want to do that. So when I stopped doing it, oh my God, I lost so many followers, just on Instagram, like just gauging that, seeing the engagement oh, wow. go. Really? I lost like 3,000 followers. Just yeah, like, because wow. I stopped posting when, when was fan it? art. Uh, this is about three years ago. Yeah, so when I start, when I just stopped posting, I was just kind of moving more towards the the sexual stuff, but like taking away, like keeping the same energy, but no relatable characters. Mm. It was quick to see, and, and it almost made me question myself, uh, being like, oh, is this the right move? Like, was I just, am I just sabotaging myself? Like, did I have momentum and I just killed it? Um, but I also knew in my head that I'm like, I want longevity. Yeah. I want a name for myself. Yeah. And I'm not doing that building it off of fucking the Simpsons off Spongebob like I'm not doing it off the, that people are connecting with that and that yeah. was a purely again pure business decision so when I saw that I couldn't take the thing that I was creating it wasn't completely my own that scared me yeah this stuff I can take anywhere it's yeah. mine yeah I can make merch I can go to a retailer and be like I'll, I have a character whatever the whole thing I control it because it's my idea yeah and not having that control scared me because you put all your life into art yeah. It's the only thing you're doing and suddenly you don't have the ability to grow. Mm. Couldn't be me. Yeah. So I moved away from it and now I touch upon it and here and there, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw, throw a little fan art here and there, like Halloween thing or, or whatever, but it's not something I'm building a career on. It's not something that I'm trying to market and sell. It yeah. was a stepping stone. And it, it feels like even if you do... Visit, revisit that you now have your own characters to exactly. revisit that with. Yeah, even like what you were saying before, like combining the characters, super yeah. smart, genius. Yeah. I know someone would definitely be inter interested in that shit. Yeah. But, um, but you're right, it's a different approach. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's like, if this is all I'm doing, I want to be able to say, what's next? Yeah. Even if I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. have no fucking clue. I want to still be the one to be like... Well, that's, that's you what know. you said earlier, where you're like, you rather the chaos. Yeah, the you're chaos more comfortable is, in the unknown. The yeah, fact you know, that, uh, like something it's, stable. Yeah, is so more scary. it's actually something that's uh, very prevalent with toxic people or people who have been part of abusive relationships, mm. um, or people who haven't uh, emotionally developed well. Not, I'm not saying this is this is me. I'm saying mm. there's something that's very familiar with people who are in those in those situations. So, so if someone is who's in a toxic relationship and doesn't get out is because a lot of the time they are more comfortable with the ups and downs of that relationship because they that pattern is familiar to them. Yeah. So they know that when there's highs and there's lows, there's gonna be other highs. And they know that pattern. They know their partner, even as toxic as they are, 
that they go through the cycle and they understand it. Mm-hmm. So as deeming and horrible as it is, they're addicted to that pre- uh, predictability in the instability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they understand that. And I feel like for me, I was so resistant towards uh, trying to create art as a full time that like, I was often scared because I didn't know where I was getting my next. Like when so I was at my do? first studio, were you ever sabotaging yourself? I, I don't know. Like I just kept, I just kept trying. I just kept going. Like I just kept trying to. Like I've been able to make it by the skin of my teeth, as as the saying goes. <laughs> uh, the first time I had a studio was in Easton Hamilton, and I was paying like five hundred a month, and I still remember I was always so close to not being able to pay rent that. The one of the last few times I was there, I literally sold a painting for five hundred the day that my rent was due. Oh fuck! That's how oh, close yeah. I was. I didn't have the money. Yeah. It just luckily I woke up that day and a fuck collector yeah. was like, "Hey, I like this piece. Do you still have it?" And I'm yeah. like, "Fuck yeah, I still have that." Yeah. And then like I went and got the money, and that money went straight to rent. Like yeah. that's what that's where I was like two years ago. And since then, it's been a little bit more of just like, okay, let's save our money a little more, just so we don't have we're not that close to the edge and that's where i've been now it's like it's for me it's been about like okay i need enough money just to not feel like i where's my next meal coming from Mm. that's where i'm at right now like i'm okay yeah i want to start building off of that so it's been it's been by sheer luck that i've been able to just skip through up until now well Um, i mean you also have the work but that's I what I mean. Like that's what's kept me right? a little bit short but that's yeah like that's what's kept me going the grand scheme of things um, it may be those moments where you're like, ah, like I'm saved. Yeah. But you've laid the foundation. Right. So exactly. you have all the pieces yeah. built. Yeah. Um, and it's through being vulnerable and like doing the scary shit. <laughs> like, all right, I'm not gonna do the fan art. I'm yeah. gonna explore my own yeah. art. And it and that's what ended up saving you in those moments. Right. Had you continued, you like you said, you saw the ceiling, you saw it ahead of time. So you ended up, you know, doing the work. Yeah, you sacrificed uh, a following, but that yeah. also goes to like how important is a following. Right, exactly. I, I didn't care enough about it at that time. I just noticed it. But I also, with leaving fan art, I was also leaving the security of fan art. Because mm-hmm. I could fucking bust out a, a Mickey in a day and that sell like like instantly. People right. love that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but so losing the following wasn't as big of a deal as it was more the the stability of just creating fan art and getting rid of it yeah um i didn't have that as soon as i stopped doing that people didn't want what i was doing like uh it took it took a while to kind of get back up on there but this goes again back to the idea of you know how connected are you to the work are you willing is there work that you're not willing to let go and and because i've been in those situations where i'm like I'm not defined by the work that I've created. Like, I'm defined by the ideas I have. Yeah, you tell people you're an artist. And yeah, they're exactly. the ones that have a hard time just being like, no, you're not just Yeah, exactly. Artist. Like, I'm telling you, like, I, I can create on anything. I can create with a pencil, with a marker, with a, with a uh, crayon. I can create on anything. But te- I'm not te- limited te- by you're not ideas. wrong. You're, you're a marketer. You're a businessman. Right. Yeah. But that, to, to me, that all goes into being an artist in right. today's world. Yeah. yeah. Like, for me, that's what being an artist means for me. Yeah, during the era of Renaissance paintings, a lot of these artists had to be a lot of things. Yeah, they were geniuses. They were geniuses. Know, they fucking, were scholars. Bro, they had who to be was mathematicians. It? Leonardo was an inventor. Yeah. Mm. Bro, the things this guy was doing. Mm. Oh my god. Like mm. you go look at his, his sketchbooks. This guy was like an engineer, a yeah. scientist. Like you got to remember back then, 
They like every time I hear artists complain about, oh man, the art store's closed, can't get what I Back then, they have to make their own pigments. How do I make purple, bro? How do I make red? I need yeah, to make this painting. Yeah, yeah. How do I make red? Yeah. You know? I think, like, I think about that often mostly because of the fact that, like, um, as a practitioner, we're very spoiled. Yeah. Right? Like, yes. for me personally, I won't touch a project if it includes a brush. Mm. I'm only using spray paint. Right, right. The moment you go, oh, well, can you use acrylics? I'll be like, hire an acrylic artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not the guy. But that's what you're comfortable with doing. It's Yeah, it's not only that that's what I'm comfortable doing. I also love my craft. Yeah. Like, I love graffiti and I love using spray paint. Um, I The quality of work that you can produce, I love that quality. Mm-hmm. The... Um, the uh, the immediacy of how like quick you can end up with a full piece, right? As opposed to something you got to build out through layers and layers of painting, um, it's just not like something that I enjoy particularly. But they had to be like mathematicians, scientists. They were close oh, to man. royalty. They were crazy. And like I can't remember who it was. They were talking. Uh, maybe Michelangelo can draw a circle, um, a perfect circle to like some sort of degree yeah. of perfection. That's right? insane, right? Like freehand, just yeah. draw a perfect circle. This guy would write, uh, and he created his own language mm. so that he could what? write his journals without anyone reading them. Really? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Crazy. Like yeah. this guy was like. This is what I'm saying, like, compared artists to what they were then. So when I say, you know, I'm just an artist, like, to me, that holds so much weight versus what artists have always been. They've been people who, like, have to do whatever it is they have to do for their craft. Yeah. So you might see me, yeah, I I do uh, have my merch, I have my website, I have a relationship with clients on that, but that's all part of making this work, the artwork. Well, what makes me such a fan of them is the longevity. So me first, and and it goes back to why I say I'm ageless, mm-hmm. where I don't like thinking about like dying or getting old, is because I do love the idea that it seeps into the work that I create. Mm-hmm. Where I rather create something where you don't, it doesn't look like the time marker it was created in. Yeah, it could be something you could look at now or twenty years from now and still see how beautiful yeah, it is. Um, and I think, do like practicing art in that sense, and then practicing it on a commercial level has interesting relationships. Because there was a lot of commercial artists um, like Norman Rockwell mm-hmm. who never saw himself as an artist yeah. and didn't really call himself an artist. He knew what he was doing. He was creating art for prints, ads, magazines, posters, uh, but he was hand painting them. Yeah. And not only that, he took as long as he needed to to do it, right? Uh, that was a magazine cover for just a month's issue, but it took him two years to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would use but he's not but I love that he didn't call himself an artist <laughs> yeah, he, he just knew he like yeah, I'm a businessman yeah, and yeah. like not only that he was a skilled technician yeah very skilled technician everything had a process he drew on paper he glued that paper on the ca- on the canvas or on the wood painted over it so like there's so many layers to the pieces that mm-hmm. he would have I've watched so many documentaries on this guy. Yeah. So just the way you see Monica, how I watched so many stuff on photography, it was that about just one person. Okay. Norman Rockwell, like I studied him to a T. Uh, just because like as an artist and as somebody who's trying to run a business, looking at commercializing things is a fascinating process. Yeah. While for us, we look at like um, holding it in such a sacred space, there was fucking technicians. There was like wizards out there that was like, I don't give a fuck about none of your values that you're talking about. I'm gonna do the job that I'm tasked to do. I'm gonna produce it to perfectly to a T. Mm-hmm. And I sold that shit for you know, however much he would yeah. sell it for, and made a great living. Got old, married a bunch of times, you know, like 
just lived his life, you know, like lived a full life while I'm sitting here and being like, yo, I can't sell this painting because it's too sacred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like um, there's also the relationship we have with our work on a healing level. So like I was saying earlier, how the, I'm exploring themes of trauma and healing. Like this art or the work that you produced, did it like ever connect with you on a healing level? Did it pull you out of something other than like financial? Um, yeah, yeah I, I speak a lot of the, on the financial part because I think uh, to me, there's it's tied a lot to like art is everything for me. So we live in a society that requires us to make an income to survive. Right? Yeah, you can't just make our normal life. Um, so I put a lot of not necessarily monetary value on the work I create, but I speak a lot on it because there's the relationship between art and business for me is a great one. Yeah. And I don't think I'm a unsuccessful artist if my business doesn't work. I think I'm an unsuccessful business person because I know the artwork. So yeah. it works for me. That's all I care about. Mm. Other people receive it well, great. Um, but it's the business side that like I need to make sure that there's a balance between them. And the reason I put so much emphasis on it is because I see other artists not putting any emphasis on them and then wonder why they don't understand why it doesn't work. You have to throw yourself in a place of learning some business or yeah. some sort of theory of business. Understand what it is, even who your consumers are. A very, the very yeah, basic ultimately, level. as an artist, we're providing a service. We are. If you want someone to enjoy your work, like you, that's a conversation you're gonna have to have eventually with yourself. Um, but all my work is definitely has some healing properties. Even like thinking back to when I was a kid and what I was drawing, I, I hated the special ed teachers so much that would pull me out of class mm. that I'd go home and, and draw them as snails and really, <laughs> like obscure monsters. Yeah, because yeah. that's how I dealt with not being, not understanding who I was and only, only drawing. Absolutely. Like, this is all I knew. So ever since then, like, I can think of, like, it being a thing that I used as a way of coping with with my surroundings. Even now, like, I put a lot of meaning in my work. These pieces don't do do any justice to, to what I, to the meaning I put into work. But, like, that piece there has a ton of meaning. And, mm. and it, each thing represents something different to me. And it's about putting it out there and, and kind of letting it exist in its own space um, so that that way it it breathes beyond me I guess and that that for me is, is very healing um, I deal a lot of I deal with a lot of like my own like sadness or turmoil by putting stuff out there almost the way Kanye tweets yeah like just putting it out there not yeah, giving yeah. a fuck yeah. uh, whether it makes sense to anyone else or not and just that's how I do it um, see Ka- that, that brings me back to another interesting point that you made about um how we see our morality right so how we see ourselves not matching how the world sees ourselves and it's funny you brought that up because i thought about kanye west when you said that <laughs> i don't know why i just connected it's like because kanye, kanye west brands himself as a free thinker yeah right so he doesn't necessarily need to be right right or have any facts to what he's saying he doesn't need he oh god uh, I used to love Kanye West so much. <laughs> he makes it so much harder to like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So that brings up another t- interesting topic. Can yeah. you separate or should you, you separate? You okay. You I didn't answer the question. You, don't. you can't. The person, you the can't. artist from the art. Oh, you no, can't. No, no. You cannot. And why? I, well, okay. This is my opinion. Of course, everything I say from my mouth is my yeah, own yeah, opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Um, no disclaimers needed. Yeah, no disclaimers. This is not the podcast. Right, right. But just it's a force of habit. Yeah, I feel you. It's. Uh, so he, hold on. What was the thought I was on? Um, <laughs> I mean, you're definitely having a hard time loving Kanye right now. Yeah. yeah I have, okay. So can we separate the art from the artist? Okay. No, you cannot because 
the art is an extension of the person creating it, and it is information which their brain has taken in mm. and regurgitated through their actions. Yeah, they they are as vital to the work as the work is to the viewer, because it came it it says something about it. Just it's connected. Mm. Um, you can't have art exist that just fucking comes out of thin air. Mm. The people who like to in the people who like to separate the art from the artist are people who want to selfishly like something without dealing with the consequences of who mm. that person was. Mm. So a good example right now, there's people who really don't like uh, Harry Potter because the creator had a lot of, made a lot of uh, anti-trans um, comments on Twitter. Mm. Uh, and there are people who justify it being like, well, this work, you know, I don't like her, but I like the, the franchise. Well, I, and I, I grew yeah, up with it and it's, it's a part yeah, of me. 100%. But but again, like, yeah, it's a part of you, but it's more so a part of this person who created it. And you are ignoring the reality of the creator mm. for the nostalgic feeling. You'd rather not, you'd rather be not okay with the negative that is being put out by this person. Who wants to hold someone accountable? Right, exactly. But that's such a hard thing to do on a personal level that it's easier to say, well, no, I don't like the artist. I like the art because I have a connection to the art. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Well, it's, you know. I mean, that's that's context as well because how much do we know of artists, right? Right. um, The older I got, the more I learned that Picasso bit his shit from African artists. Oh, fuck yes. Absolutely. Picasso was a horrible person. This guy was a... I don't even know how old he was. Like fifty, dating a sixteen-year-old. Yeah. He had a secret relationship with a fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah. Like he's done, the his life is fucking insane. <laughs> but again, his art allowed it was like his golden ticket to uh, do what he was doing because he the he, the right people he knew the right people who were buying his shit. He knew rich people who loved his shit. They kept his lifestyle up. Uh, again, it's never just one thing. You could be an fantastic artist, but if you're not surrounded by the right people, even if you're a monster, uh, if you are a monster and you're surrounded by the right people, they can elevate I th- you. I think infamy lives longer in history yeah. than um, the great people are heroes. You know just, what? Because like, think of it this way. I, I've at least thought about this. Hitler is going to be taught in schools forever. Forever, yeah. But we're never really going to talk about Gandhi or like... Great leader. Well, we should talk about Gandhi. Gandhi was a fucking racist. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm funny too because the moment I said it, I was like, I know this is gonna be controversial. Yeah, no, but like, I, I, I think it's just, it's just because like, he's looked at as like a per, a great person. And I think you look a little deeper, you'll see. All right, exactly well, let me was. equate it to my personal heroes. Yeah. Because I grew up, uh, so I'm black. Yeah. Or black and Arabic, but yeah. I grew up a black Muslim. Uh huh. So my history, I had to learn on my own. Right. And one of the earliest things that I ever learned, where I thought, like, yo, what the fuck, this should be in schools was people like Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and Malcolm X. Those were my two earliest, like, like memories of, like, yo, these guys that should be taught everywhere. These are the, They did great things. They did great things. But I'm sitting in history class learning about Hitler. Yeah. So I feel like infamy lives longer and is spread. Like, evil and bad news is spread ten times faster and further than anything good. Yeah. And when it comes to art especially, not to say that, like, evil artists like live longer through history but we battle we kind of like balance the scales about evil people with art because art is so beautiful mm-hmm. and there's no way that art could be any bad right yeah so, i think i think a part of that too is that like uh your art or the art is always going to speak louder than 
learning about the artists. Like you're, if you take art history, they're going to talk about the greatest works of art. They're going to talk about the impact they had uh, in their time, mm. and then then they'll talk about the artist. Yeah. Uh, so usually you look up, you know, you think of the greatest artworks in the world. You think of the Mona Lisa. You think of the artwork. And yeah. then the the second thought is is the person. So you're right. Like we hold art in a different category than we would knowing. It's like knowing Martin Luther. Then you know his accomplishments. Yeah. You they're tied to. They're so tied with the person. Yeah, but, and I think like sometimes it can. The reason why people want to separate the art from the artist is because we can find faults in any human because right. they're still people, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, they talk about the fact that, like, uh, Martin Luther King was an adulterer. Mm-hmm. Who the so fuck with, he was bad with relationships. Yeah, it's like, not, like, not, it's not, not a, my business. Like, yeah. long skill, like, yo, he's the reason why I can, uh, like, uh, have the freedoms and the equalities that I have now. Yeah. Am I going to harp on one aspect of his personal life? That's none of my business. Mm-hmm. No. So I think when it comes to uh, separate art from artists that's also playing like a morality game it is absolutely. Like, am i going am i going to believe in what i believe in so hard that i can no longer like the art so one huge example is r kelly mm. r kelly made a lot of my favorite music growing up <laughs> if he didn't make it directly he wrote and composed some of the greatest music of all time right but the man is a fucking monster uh-huh like I watched the documentary on him, and I was like, "Yo, who hurt this documentary maker? Like, who hurt you? Yeah. I've never seen somebody a human depicted this way that wasn't like historically evil yeah, yeah. dictator, you know, like a communist dictator." And I, that's my most recent struggle. Is I still want to hear Bump and Grind. Yeah. I still want to hear like I still want to hear anything like made by R. Kelly. But do you Bump have a like? Are you having a moral dilemma within yourself, or is it more I so think it's around just people? In public, gotcha. Like yeah, in yeah, private, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to that shit. Gotcha, what the gotcha. fuck? I don't care. Okay. But it's just one of those things where like, um, that's one of the things I go to whenever the discussion of separating artists from art yeah. comes up. Where there are a lot of monsters that created beautiful works. Absolutely. Right? If you feel strongly against pedophilia, you can't ever listen to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Because, like, he was accused of pedophilia yeah. throughout his later life of uh, a career. I mean, the only saving grace for him was that there was no actual... He was never uh, convicted of it. Right, yeah. It's the only saving grace that people have. No, absolutely. Plus, like, like um, also... When you look into it further, you find a lot of like things that don't add up. That's what I'm right? saying. Like, right? A lot it's of like... these kids had their parents around. But also, right? like that. I mean, that's a whole separate topic. But like, yeah. there are so many things he shouldn't have done as an adult. Yeah. That you think has like as an adult, I wouldn't do those things, mm-hmm. and that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um So it's it's a really I don't know. Like it, there's so much more that needs to be known. Yeah. For that specific I think, situation, I think he needed people around him that should have been able to. Um, guide him as well because we have guidance in our lives as just regular civilians he was never that right like right? as so a like, kid he was a fucking since a since being a kid yeah, he was he was catered he was in the loved, spotlight adored given you know? everything like he so was there was nobody around him to be like yo my man like you shouldn't be around those kids like that no it's just probably people He's that were afraid pop. to speak to him king of pop bros like you're not yeah. gonna tell him anything yeah, yeah for real but um but yeah no you're right like it's it's a hard discussion to have for me, my thinking is very black and white, and there's a lot of artists like so. It's getting harder for me to like Kanye, 
simply because of the way he presents himself now more so than the connection I had with his music at a specific time in my life. Yeah. Um, it meant something. His earlier stuff obviously meant something to me growing up. Mm-hmm. But the more I see him the way he is just in his own life, like, it is so... Like, I, if I knew him in person, I couldn't be friends with him. Yeah. And I, fe- I feel like when you look at people and you have some sort of bond with them, whether you know them or not, you are deciding whether they are part of your tribe or not. Yeah. So we have a tribe. They are our friends. But you will also consider someone part of your tribe if they're some like a basketball player that you that you love. Yeah. You know their stats. You know when they play. You know their number. Yeah. They are part of your tribe in your head. Yeah. Um, which is why when a celebrity dies, we feel so emotionally mm. attached because they are, we have lost a member of our tribe, someone we connected with. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like, I, if I think of Kanye now as if I was in a room with him, bro, I couldn't have a conversation with this guy. He's yeah. not someone I can relate to. But if he died, you'd probably be heartbroken. I don't. I wouldn't be heartbroken. Uh-huh. I'd be upset. Yeah. Definitely be upset. Yeah. Um, but I'm not t- – like, I don't see these people as, like – people to be worshipped now I don't think I value ah, them for the work go. they give yeah, me yeah. I value so for you what don't participate you... in celebrity culture oh fuck no oh god no I barely like no like I love people for the things they create and I love the way they make me feel but I do not go around idolizing people um, simply because I'm not I'm just not involved in other people's lives that much like if mm-hmm. you drop if you're an artist you drop new music you're gonna listen to it but I had no idea you're dropping music like I, you, there was no build up um, like I'm for not following. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm not following people like that. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I don't enjoy what they create. It's just like, I don't know. I try stepping away from from having that many external people in my tribe and taking right. up headspace because they are unpredictable and I don't know them. Yeah. And they don't even know I exist. So why is so much attention yeah. on their end? It's it's fascinating to me the praise that we give to celebrities and people we don't know or people we create as celebrities. Mostly because I'm a business owner and I use things like public platforms like social media to promote myself Mm -hmm. and I often Find myself even though I shouldn't and I I try not to is I look at my personal support system and being like yo None of you guys are promoting but you guys are all talking about this person's new clothing line or this person's new um, Album coming out and I'm out here showing you the work every day Working hard every day, asking you guys for your opinions every day, and not one of you guys want to repost or share your stories when I'm putting out, but yet you guys are shelling out every last, you know, one of your uh, money on celebrities that don't know you. Yeah, the the way I moved past that is, I thought about that before and and how it affected me, Mm. and now I expect nothing from no one. There you go. Nothing. If you give me something, I'm... Mm. Incredibly grateful. If you give me your attention, I am incredibly grateful. If I put something out there and, and I have people who like, oh, they're fans and they don't repost it, I don't care. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 I try because then what happens is I'm putting, I'm jeopardizing my own mental state for something someone did or didn't do <laughs> or didn't or do, didn't yeah, do. Absolutely. instead of focusing more on just how much can I do for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been there like so many times like you're like, you know, you you act as if you're so supportive, but like either you're not purchasing stuff, which it's not expensive stuff, um, but like you're more willing to go purchase something from somewhere else, a yeah. big store retailer. Like like it's not a funds thing; it's yeah. more of a support thing. And then I I had a, an epiphany of being like, bro, I've been doing this on my own for so long that like if people are willing to be here for as finite as at that moment as they are willing to, then 
I'm grateful for that experience, but I never again do I expect anything from anyone because it, it'll hurt me. Like I'll be the one left being like, what the fuck? Yeah, because <laughs> you know I, I, I mean? think like people support when it comes to people they know. Yeah. Um, more discreetly because I think they um, feel too connected. Yeah. Right. While celebrity culture is more of a fantasy. Right, yeah. so they like they want to aspire for that, but they they don't want to aspire for you because they know you. Like, you're so, from the block. Side so. side note, a little bit here uh, in terms of business wise, um, I think there's good, there's a shift happening, and I think part of this is the way social media is moving right. and seeing who's blowing up on TikTok. People have no fucking reason to be blowing up, uh, <laughs> but they have good personalities, right? Like they're just nice people to like just watch. I think we are our culture is moving from where we are now, which is what you're explaining, yeah. to uh, supporting more micro businesses. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a smarter play right now because the world's kind of going to hell in the handbasket yeah. yeah. to support local because it's disappearing. Yeah, We're exactly. Visually seeing all these storefronts gone. with like yeah, yeah you walk gone. through the mall, you'll see so many yeah. fucking like like going out of business. Like these are fucking people's livelihoods. They're just overnight. They're, yeah. they don't exist anymore. It's fucking wild. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, this is the saddest uh, way to end this <laughs> podcast. Listen, it's a podcast during a pandemic. So, it's a podcast what kind of high note can you have? No, absolutely. But I feel like this was an incredible conversation. I agree. I still don't really have a send off for these things. Yeah, it's uh, all right. I've been saying uh, this one phrase over and over. I don't know why I say it, but I like it. I say, if you're black, stay black. If you're white, stay black. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I was, at the end of one of them, I was just like, yo, because I'm on some, like, I want everything to be black shit. I love that. You know How is mean? that not on a shirt or some shit? I not made prints, bro. No, I well, wear the be- fuck out it's, of that. It's mostly because, like, I just thought of it, and two, I don't really do slogan stuff. No, but I love that, just because yeah. it's a... Uh, to me, the first thing I thought of is how white people don't have culture. Yeah. And like, yeah. their culture is just made up of others' cultures. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. facts. Yeah. So if you're saying yeah. you're black, stay black, like, and you're white, white stay black. Because they take, they take everything. Yeah. Don't, don't kill me. That's the first thing I thought of. If you're white, keep, keep, keep being black. black culture. <laughs> yeah. I'm just joking. That's the fastest way to get fucked up. No, it isn't. But, um, like, this was a great conversation. It was. Uh, this, and it's funny, too, because this is the first time we met as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it feels very familiar. I think it's so much easier for me to just have a conversation with, with creators. Yeah. Uh, a like lot that. of the people I meet are no longer, unless it's like business or through some other, someone yeah. else's friends, it's usually artists or creators. I just, yeah. It, there's a level of comfort that I bring with me because I feel already like I understand you. Like, I, I feel like even if we're not even in the same <laughs> genre yeah. as creators, yeah. there's some. There's, there's, some, there's a bonding experience. Yeah. Of just creating that I think um, throughout any medium we all share yeah. and it's the vulnerability of putting yourself out there um, I talk to Monica often about being a servant of art mm-hmm. um, there was a little bit of resistance at the beginning but once I kind of explained that we're more like vessels we are so we're given like not necessarily a talent because I don't um, subscribe to being talented mm-hmm. all this shit took work neither do I it I don't took a lot of fucking that. work but we are vessels once we got to where we're at we owe it to serving like our craft yeah. mm. to put it out there, share it, share it meet with, with yeah. 
yeah so um, one thing that i've been doing recently and i started doing this in 2018 at my very first art show uh is a confession series where people just send me their confessions and Mm. i draw a sketch and i put it on instagram story and i've done over well over 800 now uh but it's that project has always been for people so like that i don't make money off it it's not it's anonymous thing and people just tell me whatever and i'll create a sketch for them and that's a project that it goes to the idea of serving others mm. of creating something where people have a place to have a voice without judgment or ridicule in a public format um, and just speak their truth right yeah um, and it's the idea of like not just doing art for myself but like I, I'm not talented it's the same thing as someone who spends all the all their time going to the gym six yeah. times a, a week I said exact it's the exact thing. same yeah it's the yeah. same thing I call, we've I just call been doing drawing it. sketch exercises yeah but like we've been doing exercises. it since, I've been doing this since, since a kid right so like that's me I spent I dedicated my time then and I've still been doing it and that's where it's been paying off it's not a talent I, I don't like when people say that because it, it, it implies uh, some higher being which was never there when I <laughs> yeah. needed them yeah. uh, but the art was right so I mean if if a higher being was responsible for anything. Uh, give me some money. Because yeah. <laughs> if you're giving me the uh, the talent of just creating art, you fuck me over. You know what though? I'll always I'll always think about this because this is uh, one of the, um, this will be the last thing I say here. Uh, but one thing we were talking about how um, you know artists that guy uh, Rock, uh, Rockwell never saw yeah. himself as an artist. Um, the thing I thought of that was how fortunate we are to at least on some level be able to do what we do and get some sort of appreciation regardless of what it is uh, because I think of Van Gogh a lot mm. and how he was an incredible he was a master he was yeah he was an incredible genius right and to think that up until his last day on earth he never saw himself as a successful artist he never knew that he yeah, never he, he never knew that perspective and on I himself, think literally way too didn't seen. he lose his vision bro this guy i mean he committed suicide right so mm. like he was in such a shitty place in his life that like he doesn't the person we see isn't even the same person he uh. was so like his he literally created art that was decades generations before his audience even existed yeah yeah, like his audience right. wasn't even born yet it wasn't until they were born in old people that they realized this guy was doing shit yeah and then everyone started loving him and they realized they rediscovered who he was um so like i think of how tragic that is sometimes yeah. and how blessed we are to be in a position that like at least at this point in time we were able to do what we wanted and we felt good about it yeah. to, to an extent and to Absolutely. to be a master to be a fucking genius and to feel that isolated and, and alone and never ever understand what your art would mean to the world like yeah. that's perspective i think yeah and uh, you can only really reach in, that kind of through reflection yeah you can because like again his whole he never knew it he'll never mm. his life whole existence yeah never knew it and that goes back to not having the right people in his life or mm. being in the right time in his in his in the world uh, not having the right you know, outlets or his brother believed in him. He lived through his brother, but yeah, it wasn't enough. So, okay, this is a way better way to yeah. end there you go. the podcast. So be, be grateful for, for yeah. what we have, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right, y'all. I hope you're staying black, white people. I hope you're staying Stay black. black. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great idea. I love that. I love that.